Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Last week, we started a series on the power of perspective and how it shapes our reality. Today, we're going to talk about how perspective shapes our marriages and determines what kind of value we place on them. How many of you understand that you will treat something that you perceive valuable differently than you will treat something that you perceive to be garbage? There's a guy that I know years ago, he was working up in the attic of a home, and as he was doing this work, he looked over in the corner of the attic and he noticed a guitar. And so he asked the homeowner about it, and she said, that's just something that belonged to my son. I don't really have any need for it, and so I put it in the attic. So the gentleman said, well, could I buy it from you? She said, that old thing, just take it with you. And so he took it home. He said it was caked in dust. You couldn't even tell what brand guitar it was because there was so much dust on it. But as he began to clean it off, he discovered that it was a Gibson gold top Les Paul worth thousands of dollars. Hear this. Sometimes we put things in the attic that should be placed in a vault. Did you hear what I just said? Sometimes in our life, we take things of great value and we place them in an attic instead of putting them in a place of honor because we do not perceive the value of it. The problem is, if you do not perceive the value of something and you stick it away in the attic, it's going to collect dust, it's going to deteriorate, and eventually it is going to fall apart unless someone else steps in and sees the value that you didn't and takes it home with them. Oh my God, I hope you just heard what I said. Listen, what you do not celebrate will exit your life eventually. Keep that relationship in the attic long enough and somebody will come along and go, oh my goodness, that's a Gibson gold top Les Paul. I know how to play that thing. And they're going to take it home with them. Is that too raw and real for you this morning? The, the point is, if you, if you value it, honor it. If you value marriage, honor your marriage because that is what will cause it to flourish and thrive. And it all starts with our perspective. Somebody say perspective. Perspective is the foundation that we build life on. How, how many builders do we have in the room? No builders? A few builders? You build a little bit? Well, this is going to be helpful information to those of you who want to build at some point in time. The most important part of your house starts where? The foundation. Before you put a stud down, you better make sure you've got the good foundation. Because it doesn't matter what elevation you chose for your home. It doesn't matter what paint colors you chose for your home. It doesn't matter what kind of appliance or cabinets you chose for your home. It doesn't matter how beautiful your home seems to look. It doesn't matter how great the plan is for your home. If the foundation is not right, eventually that home is going to what? What's going to happen? 
is going to start falling apart. You're going to start noticing cracks running up the walls. Why? Because you didn't start with the right foundation. Our perspective is our foundation, and unfortunately, so many of us have gone into marriage without a good foundation. We've allowed culture and television and even our own home experiences to influence how we view and value relationships. The problem is, if that was wrong, then you've got a bad foundation. And if you don't have a good foundation, your building will not stand. Jesus tells a parable of two men who are building homes. He says, one man builds his house on the sand. Another man builds his house on the rock. In other words, he took the time to get the proper foundation. Then he says, a storm comes for both homes. So let's imagine both houses are in the same neighborhood. They're about to encounter the same storm. Because how many of you know in life, we're all going to encounter challenges? We're all going to encounter storms. If you're in a relationship, you're going to have problems. Hello? But he says this, when the storm comes, it's not if the storm comes, church. When the storm comes, the house that was built on the sand is going to fall. But the one that is built on the rock is going to stand. Why? Because it had the proper foundation. Then he goes on to let us know that the right foundation is his word. In other words, his way of doing things is the best way of doing things for every aspect of your life. It's the difference between standing and falling when storms come. Your foundation is important. Turn to the person next to you and say, your foundation is important. What is your foundation? What is your perspective? How do you see marriage? What kind of value do you place on marriage? Why did you get married in the first place? See, some of us got married for the wrong reason because we had the wrong perspective. For some, it's a way of escape. They need it out. For some, they may see it as a financial benefit. This will be a good tax break, or this is going to help me split the bills in half. Some see marriage as the ball and chain. How many of you have heard that before? <laughs> I saw men's eyes dance when I said that. They didn't move their body because they're sitting next to the wife. I said, how many of you heard about the ball and chain? <laughs> But all of those things are formed by our perspective. And our perspective was shaped by the experiences that we encountered along the way. The things and people who have influenced us. And like I said, so many of us have a terrible perspective of marriage because how we have seen it play out in the past. But today I want to challenge you to allow God to give you his perspective. So as we continue to talk about this this morning, I want you to consider these questions. First, what is your perspective of marriage? How do you see it? 
Why did you desire to get into it? See, some people get into marriage because they would rather not be alone. They would rather be in a bad situation than to be alone. So they get married. Terrible perspective. What is your perspective on marriage? Second thing I want you to consider is how do you view, how do you view yourself? That's important. How do you view yourself? Do you have good self-image? Do you have good self-worth? Do you have an image and an identity that has been implanted by the Word of God? Because that's going to determine how you react and respond to your spouse. Sometimes our spouse is trying to help us and we take it as an attack because we've got a poor self-image. So how we view ourselves is very important. How we view our spouse. How do you view your spouse? And the final thing I want you to consider is how does the way you think line up with what God has said? That's huge. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in Scripture, and it can be summed up in this one sentence where David says, teach me your ways so that I can walk in your blessing. Think about that. God, I want to know what you've got to say about life, money, marriage, business, because if I know your way, I'll walk in blessing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I've said this multiple times here, but God's design for your life is the best design for your life. His design is the one that leads us into life. His design for our life is the one that leads us into blessing and favor. God tells Joshua, he says, I want you to be obedient to what I say, because then it will cause you to walk in good success. Are you, are you following this line of thinking this morning? So many times we end up in a bad situation because we're doing it our way and not his way. We've allowed culture and all of these things to adjust the way we view relationships and marriage and how we do it and why we enter into it. And then we wonder why is it falling apart and not growing? What is the difference between a marriage that thrives, a marriage that falls apart, and a marriage that just simply survives. Perspective. All three have a different way of looking at it. A marriage that thrives understands that there will be problems, there are problems, but we're going to work through it, and we're going to come out on the other side because I value this relationship that God has put together. The marriage that falls apart allows it to fall apart because they don't understand the value of who God has placed in your life. The one that just survives is hanging on for dear life because they've got a poor perspective. Maybe it's like, well, we'll just stay together for the kids. Or I'll just stay together because it's the best thing for our finances right now. Or it's the best thing for me right now. The difference is perspective. Somebody say perspective. But see, if I can change my perspective, I can change my reality. Please hear that. If you can change your perspective, you can change your reality. And that is true for every area of your life. Change the way you start seeing the things that you see. Change the way you see. 
what you are currently seeing. So what is God's perspective on marriage? Let's start there. If you have your Bible, go to Matthew, the 19th chapter. We're going to look at a couple of verses here. And this is Jesus speaking. How many of you understand when Jesus says something, we should take notice? Not only is Jesus saying this in this moment, but it is a statement that is repeated throughout Scripture. Starting in the very beginning when God established marriage. Understand that marriage was and still is God's idea. God laid the framework for what marriage is and how it should work. He's the manufacturer. If we follow the directions given to us by the manufacturer, it's going to work, right? So watch what Jesus says in Matthew 19. He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer one, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. The first thing that I want you to see in this text is that we are unique, but we are unified. Somebody say, we are unique, but we are unified. That means men and women are very different. How many of you know I'm talking truth right now? Men and women are very different. We think differently. We respond differently. We are unique, but at the same time, we are unified. Why would God do that? Why would he make us so different but at the same time put us together because there's something in her that can benefit me and there's something in me that can benefit her. And when we come together as one, we start working together as one, then we start seeing the full picture. I'm unique, but we are also unified. We both bring something valuable to the table. Please hear what I just said. In a marriage, both partners bring something valuable to the table, something necessary to the table. If you do not understand that, then you will either dominate your partner or discard your partner. If you do not see what they have to offer as valuable, you'll either dominate them or discard them. If you do not see what you bring to the table, then you will allow yourself to be dominated. 
or discarded, placed in the attic. But when I start seeing, man, God knows what he's doing. And when he joined me to this woman, he brought her into my life because he saw what we could accomplish together. The Bible says two are better than one. You can accomplish more together than you can by yourself. Somebody say, she is valuable. Say, he is valuable. We're unique, but we are unified. See, if you see marriage as a ball and chain, then you're always going to see your spouse as someone who is there to hinder you and restrict you. But if you see them as a blessing from God, you're going to start seeing this person as someone who enhances me. And I promise you, I'm going to treat someone who enhances me differently than I will someone that hinders me. Because when I wake up in the morning, I will either see my help or my hindrance. Oh my God, church. Are you catching this? When you wake up in the morning and you look at him or her, you will either see your help or your hindrance. And your entire life will be funneled through what you just saw. Everything that they say to you will be funneled through what you saw. Because if they're my hindrance, everything they tell me is there to hinder me. But if they're my help, then I understand that everything that they are saying is for my benefit, even if I don't like the way they say it. Oh, man, I cannot tell you how many times my wife has told me things that I don't want to hear. And in the moment, I get mad. But I've learned to keep my mouth shut. That's, that's wisdom key number one. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. The, the Bible teaches us that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak. So the other night she said something to me that just rubbed me the wrong way. But I was, I was just like, I listened. And I didn't verbalize how I felt about what she was saying at the moment. I just sat there. And as she was going to sleep, I went to the couch and I continue to sit there and I continue, I, I started pondering, what manner of woman is this that you've given up? <laughs> Lord, you were right when you said it's better to live in a house alone than with a quarrelsome woman. No, no I, I started sitting there and I was thinking about what she said. And the more I thought about it, I realized she was saying it because she loved me. And she was saying it to benefit me. She didn't say it in the way I would have liked to hear it. But the truth remained the same. And because I sat there and pondered it, and because of my perspective on it, I was able to gain something from that conversation that didn't cause a fight. Had I responded in the moment, she would not have heard what I had to say. And I would have not heard what she would have had to say. And then we would have possibly gone to bed angry. But my perspective is, man, this woman is somebody who is here to help me. She is here to encourage me. She is here to strengthen me. The Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You could reverse that. She who finds a husband finds a good thing and obtains favor 
from the Lord. I've got to start seeing her as my good thing. You've got to start seeing him as your good thing. It will completely change the way you do life and marriage together. It's something that I say at every wedding ceremony I do. I say the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And so, Jim, I want you to take a moment and stare at Michelle because she is your good thing. And then everybody begins to cry. And the, let me tell you, I get paid extra for making people cry at weddings. They're a good thing. They're a benefit. They're a blessing. She's valuable to me. I'm valuable to her. So it's going to change the way I think about her. It's going to change the way I see her. It's going to change the way I respond to her. I'm going to speak to her in a way that shows I value you. Huh. Because I see her as valuable, it changes the way I speak to her. I speak to build. I speak to withdraw. Let me let you in on something. The only way you can withdraw from someone what God has deposited in them for you is through this word, honor. Every person has a gift in their life, and the only way you can make a withdrawal on that gift is through honor. So it changes the way I speak to her. It should change the way she speaks to me. And this is something that we should both work on. But you need to understand this, and this is something else I say in weddings, that we need to be careful how we treat one another and speak to one another because people have a way of either rising or lowering to your opinion of them. And when you speak, you are declaring your opinion of them. So here's what you need to understand. Inside of every man, there is a prince and there is a punk. Inside of every woman, there is a beauty and there is a beast. Mickey, did you say the other one? <laughs> you will get the one you speak to. There's a story in Scripture of King David. He goes into this area. A man speaks very harshly about David. David decides, I'm going to kill this man. And David was a bad dude. If he set his mind to kill you, you are going to die. He's like Rambo. But sanctified. Christian Rambo. Yo! <laughs> so, <laughs> this guy speaks harshly about David, and David says, I'm going to kill that guy. He don't know who he's talking to. That man's wife goes and approaches David completely different. She comes very humble. She comes with a gift. She honors David, and she changes David's course of action against her family. She got the prince. The man got the punk. You cannot make a withdrawal from what you have not invested into. 
if you don't put money in your bank account and you go to the ATM, it's not going to just give you whatever you're asking for. It can only give you what you've invested into it. That makes sense, right? How about our relationships? I can only receive from what I have invested into. How many times, and these are things that I'm thinking about in my own life, how many times do we allow what is good in them just to pass us by because we're so focused on what's wrong about them? I miss the fact that she is a blessing because I'm so concentrating on the fact that she can't put her shoes where they need to go. And so all I'm doing is speaking and complaining and griping about the negative, which is not going to draw her to me. It's going to push her away from me. It's going to stick her up in the attic where she's going to begin to collect some dust. Are you following what I'm saying? But what happens if I begin to celebrate things, even the small things? It's going to start pulling that out of them. Try it. It may not happen immediately. But the things you like about them, start celebrating it. When they fix their hair, instead of being like, man, I wish you'd do that more often. I know when you go out with your girlfriends, you always put on the nice clothes and fix up your hair, but not when you're on me. That ain't going to do nothing for you. But every time she fixes up her hair, if you go, I love when you do your hair that way. You're basically saying the same thing. You're just saying it in a different way. It's like a dog. <laughs> when the dog does something good, what do you do? You give it a treat. <laughs> now I'm not calling your wife a dog, man. But it, 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 it honestly is the same reality. If you reward good things, you're going to see more of the good things in your life. I, th I thought about, you know, for instance, and this is just me, the way I like to be spoken to. Let's say I don't eat anything good, which you can tell is a lie by looking at me. <laughs> you don't get a body like this eating garbage. But let's just pretend that all I eat is garbage. And my wife wants me to start eating better foods, okay, because she loves me. If she comes to me and says, all you eat is garbage, you need to start eating fruits and vegetables and all that stuff. Now, I'm going to listen to what she says, and I've got to figure out, okay, is she saying this for my benefit, or is she saying this because she doesn't like me? And then from there, I've got to make a decision on what I'm going to do, okay? So based upon what she said, I'm decided, you know what? She's right. She's saying this because she wants me to live longer. So I'm going to eat some grapes. So one day out of the week, I eat a handful of grapes, okay? Just once, I eat a handful of grapes. If she comes to me and says, that's not going to cut it, you should be doing that every day. You should be eating grapes every day. You should be walking every day. You should cut this out, all that stuff. I'm not going to hear that from her. I'm just talking about me. But if she says, I'm so proud of you for eating grapes this week, I'm going to start thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm going to eat some more grapes. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> are you tracking with me? So we need to figure out how to properly communicate with one another because we are unique, but we at the same time are unified. Somebody say unique, but unified. 
Jesus goes on in Matthew 19, verse 5. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In other words, he's saying your spouse needs to be the most valuable relationship in your life. That's difficult for us to comprehend sometimes when we have children. Because we want to put our children on a pedestal. And we want what's best for our children. And that's wonderful. We should. I believe that my children should have more than I ever had. I don't believe that they should have to reinvent the wheel. I believe that they should be able to build on the foundation that was laid before them. But as soon as I start putting more time and effort and energy into my kids and forgetting about my spouse, I'm placing them in the attic where they're going to begin to collect dust. And the truth is, if I love my children, the best thing I can do for them is celebrate their mom. The best thing that they can see is a loving relationship. The best thing for their future is a loving relationship. Many people have experienced problems in their life. You can track it all the way back to what happened in their home. They never saw how marriage should work. They never saw a man loving his wife the way a man should love his wife. They never felt that. And so it leads them into this search to where they go through problem after problem after problem after problem. If we love our kids, we need to love our spouse. We need to value our spouse. Do you know what one of the number one killers of generational wealth is? Anybody want to take a stab at it? One of the number one killers of generational wealth. What'd you say? Divorce. Divorce. That's right. Because now what happens is what we had is divided. We have to invest it into child care. We have to invest in all these things because the home is broken. Now we remarry, and now that portion is even further divided. If they have children, now what should go to my children is now going to go to a part to my children and a part to their children, and so on and so forth. And the more divorce happens, the more that generational wealth deteriorates. So the best thing for your children, if you say you love your children, the best thing for your children is to make sure that you have a loving home where both people are valued. And if, the, if my wife is the most valuable person in my life, I'm going to set boundaries to protect that. There are just certain non-negotiables in my life. One, she has full access to my phone. She has the authority and the right to read every single text message I have on my phone. I didn't always think that way, by the way. This isn't like the all, my perspective had been shifted majorly through the years. But my text messages are not off limits to her. My email is not off limits to her. I'm going to be very careful what kind of friendships I allow into my life because I don't want to allow anything that's going to threaten her and I because she's the most valuable person in my life. If I make time for my friends, I'm going to make sure I make more time 
for my spouse. Listen, I, there's no problem with it. You want to go on a guy's trip? You want to go on a girl's trip? No problem with that. But are you taking time to go on trips with your spouse? And I'm not talking about like big, huge family vacations where there's hundreds of people and you don't get time to spend with your spouse because they're so busy spending time with everyone else. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cling and hold fast to his wife. In other words, my wife is now import more important than my parents. That does not mean you devalue your parents or dishonor your parents or dishonor or devalue your children. Are you hearing me? What it does mean is I'm placing the most value on her. You want to see your life and your marriage change? Start praying this way. Father, allow me to see them the way you see them. Help me to see their value. God, calls my love and my passion and my desire to grow for that person. You'll start seeing things shift and change in your life. I promise because I have seen it. When I got married, we've been married for 18 years now. We've been together for, I don't know, since the 1900s. <laughs> A long time. But when, when we first got married, I did not have the proper perspective of marriage. And had it gone, can continue to go in the direction that it would have gone in because of my poor perspective, I would have destroyed the marriage. Thank God he intervened. Thank God he changed my life. Thank God he changed my perspective and gave me a fresh opportunity to build a healthy home. And that starts with the foundation of his word. Listen, I am all for reading books about marriage. I am all for going and seeing a licensed professional counselor. I'm not against any of that. But transformation starts when the man and the woman come to Christ Jesus and say, God, mold us into your image. Your will, not my will. The way you see it, not the way I see it. Even if I disagree with what you've said, I'm going to walk in it because I believe it leads to life and blessing and favor. But we don't want to do that. We want to live the way we want to live and do what we want to do and continue to twist the rules and we can marry whoever we want to marry. We can move in whenever we want to move in. We sleep with whoever we want to sleep with. Why? Because we don't understand their value. You don't understand your personal value. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying, church? This is important. I had a talk with my 13-year-old daughter about this this week, about what intimacy is all about. Because I never saw it, church. I never saw intimacy through the right perspective until God changed my mind on the subject. But when I realized that it is a gift that God has placed in me to share with her, then I'm going to guard that because it is valuable. And I'm not going to just give it away to everybody because it is valuable valuable. And I'm not going to lessen your value because one day you're going to connect to someone and you want to share that value with. Perspective. Somebody say perspective. Ephesians 5.25 says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus gave everything for the church. He gave his best for the church. That's how we as men should respond to our wife. 
And in turn, our wife should respond, respond to us with honor and respect because we are being a godly man, not domineering. It's not I'm here and my wife's down here and she's going to do whatever I say because I'm the man of this house. I'm the high priest here. Billy, I'm the high priest of this home, woman. You know, that's not how it works. God took her from his side. They are partners in life, and I am covering her, and I am protecting her. And because I am who I am supposed to be, she naturally responds to who she is supposed to be. But it takes two, church. Somebody say it takes two. So they must be the most valuable relationship in your life. Now watch this, because this is, this is something that most people miss when it comes to marriage. And I've done a few of them. Not, I've not been married a few times. I'm saying I've performed many marriages. It's this. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. If you go into marriage with a perspective of contract, you're setting yourself up to fail. Because contract is all performance-based. If you, I will. If you do this, I will do this. But did you notice your vows didn't say that? When you stood before God and your family, you didn't say, I will meet your needs as long as you take out the trash. I will clean the house as long as you change the oil. It's not performance-based. It's contract. It is adjoining. Somebody say joining. It is something that is happening between husband, wife, and God. God himself is joining the two, making them one. That's why he says you can't separate it. Whatever God's joined together cannot be separated. Marriage is for better or for worse. If you don't understand that, then when things get bad, you've got an exit strategy. If this one breaks down, I'll just find a newer model. But if you go into it with that thinking, then you're already setting yourself up for failure. But if you go into it with the understanding that the two have become one, it is for better or for worse. Whatever we walk through, we walk through together. If she's down, I'm going to build her. If I'm down, she's going to build me. We are going to strengthen one another. We are going to encourage one another. And together we are going to win at life. Doesn't make it easy, doesn't make it less challenging, but it is true. It is for better or worse. It is till death do us part. These are the things that you are saying to God. Do you you catch that? I'm so flabbergasted at times when people are asking me to be a part of their wedding that they're not even considering that, that marriage is a very serious covenant and should not be entered into without great thought and prayer. Just because you knock somebody up doesn't mean you should marry them. Some of y'all were taught, well, if you, you know, you get them pregnant, you're marrying them. My dad told me if you get them pregnant, you're going to pay for it, but you don't have to marry them. Different perspective. Is that too raw for y'all? Some of you have gotten yourself into a position where you, you moved in with someone that you're not married to and it's become a poop or get off the pot situation. Get off the pot. If it ain't right, get off the pot. 
You can save yourself a lot of pain. Till death do us part. It is a vow that I am making to her and to God that no matter what happens, no matter what we walk through, this is it until my end. That will change my perspective, Tom, on how I handle it because now I'm going to do everything I can to protect this covenant. I'm going to do everything I can to work my way into making this marriage not just survive but thrive. Why? Because it's valuable and I am in it to win it. Listen, a successful marriage is not an accident. It is intentional. By the way we speak to one another, by the way we respond to one another, by the way we are willing to work on ourselves. See, here's some perspective, love it or leave it. No. I always need to be looking in the mirror and saying, what can be better about me? I look at the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God. The Bible says it's like a mirror. I look at the word of God and I see in it what needs to change about me and I surrender to God. Father, whatever it is that needs to be worked on to me, I want to get better. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better leader. I want to be a better pastor. I'm not a love it or leave it. I'm always learning and growing. But if you're just like, it is what it is now. You married it, love it or leave it. Don't be surprised when they go, see ya. The same effort you put into chasing that person is the same effort you need to put into keeping that person. Perspective. No, I got them now. Do what I want. Okay. I'm telling you, man, this is something that I, I am daily working through in my life because I want to show my children what it is like to have a home where the father and mother truly love and adore one another. I want someone to look at me the way Lady Gaga looks at Bradley Cooper. Have you ever seen that? YouTube, YouTube them singing together. <laughs> I'm being silly with you, but that's, that's, what I, that's what I want. That's what I desire. She is my desire. She is my good thing. I am willing to bend so that we do not break. Some of you are so rigid and set in your ways, you will not bend at all. We've got to learn, because we are unique, there's got to be some compromise. There's got to come a time to where we sit down and we have one goal and vision for our life. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is what we value. If church is a value, we do it together. Not the man's there and the woman's not, or the woman's there and the woman. No, no, no. We do it together. If this is the way we look at finances, this is the way we look at finances. Intentional. Nothing good grows on accident. Be intentional in the way you speak to them. Be intentional in the way you look at them. Honor them for who they are 
more than what you can get from them. And allow them to withdraw what is in you for them. Don't cut that off. So many times relationships crumble because one partner will cut off what is there for their spouse. It could be emotional support. It could be intimacy. It could be physical. It, whatever, whatever it is that you need that is there to be fulfilled in them. As soon as you cut that off, you are asking for them to start looking for it in the wrong place. Please hear what I'm saying. And again, I understand that so many of you in here, we're all indifferent. When it comes to relationships, some of you right now, like, man, your marriage is great. Some of you in here, you think your marriage is great, but your partner's going, mm. Some of you in here, your marriage is currently crumbling or falling apart. Some of you, your marriage has already fallen apart and you've, you've, you've moved on with life. What I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter where you are. There's mercy for you. God is not done with you. Some churches teach people, well, you're divorced, you're done. No, not with God. God is bigger than everything that you've been through, everything that you've encountered. And everything from this moment forward can be new. Forget what was, church. Forget what was and live in what currently is. Some of you have brought so much baggage into your current relationship because of what was that it is damaging what currently is. At some point in time, I can no longer see in their face the face of the person who abused me. Because if we do that, man, I'm going to start responding to them according to what they have not even done. And if I continue to do that, I'm going to back them into a corner until they become the very thing I feared. Because my perception of them is going to shape them into. Are, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? This is like some spitfire wisdom. Your perspective will mold them into something that they were not even a part of. But if you keep on, you keep on. You keep on. You're going to continue to mold them until they do and say and respond exactly how you expected them to because you projected that onto them. Mm -hmm.